Good morning. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is Gary on Guns State Representative Chuck Basie, Second Amendment supporter in the studio, along with Garson from Graffs. And uh, then we have Dale Roberts, and he is uh, MoGunLaw.com. In the meantime, it's show and tell. And I'm drooling over this. Uh, let's start with P90. Who doesn't love that that combination? P and 90. P90. Uh, Feinstein and Schumer. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> so this is FNH USA's um, civilian version of the P90 machine gun. Um, it's a bullpup, and it's a, it's one of the few out of the box, fully ambidextrous bullpups. So there's no there's no conversion or parts you have to get to make it left and right handed capable. It's left and you can use it either way, right out of the box. Is this a 5.7? It is. It is a 5.7. Uh, it's got... So it, the interesting thing about this gun is the ammunition sits across the barrel. Um, and then there's a little, you know, spiral staircase uh, mechanism at the end of the magazine that reorients the ammo to the barrel. Um, so it allows you to stack 50 rounds um, across the top of the barrel in a very, very small platform, um, which is super impressive. Um, the, the machine guns are even more impressive because they shave another 10 inches off the front of the gun. But um, uh, hammer-forged barrel, so very accurate. Um, and the 5.7 cartridge is pushing, you know, over 2,000 feet per second, so very, very capable, small-caliber, high-velocity cartridge. Um, it's It's got an elevated sight. Pl so the one we have at the shop is the, um, the standard model. Um, so there's a site that FN actually developed that fits inside of that model. Um, the one the one I have here is the triple rail, which is apparently out of production, uh, but that allowed me to mount my light and an optic here without having to do anything special, which um, I prefer. Um, the safety's down here below the trigger. Um, it's ambidextrous as well. You can flip it with your trigger finger or thumb. Either way, it's it's pretty nice. And then ergonomically, it's super comfortable. Um, it's it's basically, I mean, there's tons of accessories for this, but um, it's it's almost not needed because the gun is just so well designed out of the box. Um, um, just a fancy, tiny little package for a, a very capable rifle. What a great rifle that! You know, uh, it, it occurs to me, Chuck, that we don't have to have any adoption papers if we can get that snuck out of the building. <laughs> very nice weapon. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that would look so good in my... Yeah. Well, and to make this safe. ambidextrous, it ejects out of the bottom of the gun. Yeah. So it's not kicking out to the left or the right, um, which FN and all their bullpups have been very, very well designed for ambidextrous use. Uh, their FS2000 was their 5.56 bullpup, and they didn't make a left or right-hand version. They just designed it in such a way that the brass ejected forward of the shooter far enough that you could use it either hand and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, but that that gun was a little a little bulky, um, so a lot of people did not like it because it was so large. Um, so that one isn't in production anymore. But now, if you want one, you got to pay you know really high auction prices to get one. Um, but a very very interesting gun, and it, and it was based off their OICW um, project rifle, um, and then they sold it for a while as the F2000 as well in a machine gun version. Uh, now, if I go to uh, 
Target Masters or some uh, some indoor gun range. Can I f- use this in uh, in those ranges? Or it, is- it depends on the range. Um, some ranges, uh, depending on their their trap system, will have a velocity restriction, and this is too fast to shoot at some ranges with velocity restrictions. Target Masters traditionally has said if you're firing what it would be used as handgun ammunition then you can shoot it in their range but that may be an oversimplification for something like this and and actually i mean you can get uh five five six that's classified as a handgun now but yeah so i'm not sure um, how they if i remember right target master has a caswell plate system and i want to say the velocity limit on those is about 1,500 or 1,600 feet per second. So I believe this is too fast to shoot at that plate system. Um, well, I took my Rock Island 1911 uh, with that uh, high-powered 22 round, and uh, they let me shoot it. And I think that's at least as fast as... as it's, uh, it's actually a tad bit faster. They edge out the uh, the 5.7 by about 200 feet per second in the pistol. So it... And they let me. Of course, I was shooting at a water bottle of all things, uh, which probably slows the round down. Uh, but that's you know that's uh, another reason to love Green Valley. I'm just telling you, uh, both places are great. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Um, well, and, and if, you're, if you're shooting steel at Green Valley, remember there's velocity stric- restrictions on some of the plates there. Yeah, uh, but you can uh, you can check that out. I love that magazine. Yeah, and that is so, trick. Uh, you get the picture of the mag clamp. So I've got a I've got a mag clamp on this that lets me keep a hundred rounds on the gun at all times. That is just really really <laughs> trick. All right. So we got uh, one of those at the shop. It's it's in stock and available as far as I know uh, from five o'clock yesterday when I left. And what is the price on that? Um, I don't know. They haven't texted me the prices, and I don't remember offhand what they were selling it for. Um, I want to say um, seventeen hundred or so, maybe seventeen fifty. That's not really. That's not a bad price when you get right down to it. All right, let me see. What is, how, well, now? Let's talk about this one. Uh, oh, this is nice too. Yes. So this is the new new bullpup of the year from Springfield Armory. Um, they they actually released this or announced it not too long ago, and I'm surprised they actually have them available. That's um, the Hellion. So quickly. Yeah, this is the Springfield Hellion which is um, coming out of Croatia. Um, but this is a semi-automatic clone of uh, Croatia's main battle rifle, the VHS-2 machine gun. So made, made alongside the VHS-2, um, chrome lime hammer forged barrel. Um, they basically, if you're familiar with the HKG-36, they copied um, the charging handle off the G-36, so it sits across the top of the barrel underneath um, a long Picatinny rail for optics mounting, um, and it's a gas piston design. Um, so super clean action. Uh, all that dirt stays concentrated, you know, in the barrel, and not it's not going to get you know vomited back into your action like in an AR-15. Um, so this gun is also ambidextrous. Um, you don't have to buy an extra bolt um, to convert this like you do with the Tavor or the Aug. Um, basically, you disassemble the gun, um, flip some parts around, and reassemble it, and it will be in left-handed configuration at that time. Um, this has actually got two ejection ports on it, so 
like on the Tavor, you have to move the ejection port from one side to the other. This one, there's a pin that just locks one port shut. Um, so you just and flip then it that throws around. out the other side. Yep. Um, so it unlocks the the opposite one. Um, this will take any. Oops, hit the mic. Uh, this will take any standard uh, Stenang or M16 magazine, uh, and an, it, it's adapted to take an AR-15 pistol grip. So you you got some customization options there with whatever grip you want. Um, it does come with a BCM gunfighter grip, which um, feels pretty good on the rifle. Um, and this also has the distinction of being the only bullpup with a collapsible stock. So it's got a five position. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five position adjustable. It's good it didn't go any higher than that. He'd have to take <laughs> off the other shoe. I would just use Daryl's hand. It wasn't fun. Oh. <laughs> or Dale's hand. Dale's hand, yeah. Um, uh, oh, the... So I, I was playing around with the uh, flip-up sights that are part of this gun, and I actually like them so much. I'm not going to put an optic on this. Um, they're, it's got a, it's got a drum diopter at the rear, um, and they're nice, crisp sights. So I, I decided I was going to run this one iron sights, and not, and not run an optic on it. Um, you can basically disassemble the whole thing without tools. Um, is Dale's planner off the charging handle? Uh, the the handguard is M lock compatible, so if there is accessories you want, it will take those with uh, all the M lock accessories. And how much? Uh, I dare I ask, uh, how much for this one? Uh, I believe this one we have eighteen fifty on. That's a good price too. That is very nice. Is this is this cheek weld? Is cheek? Uh is that adjustable right there? It's not adjustable. It's actually a cover, so when you disassemble oh, okay. the gun, that comes off and lets you further disassemble the rear of the gun. Gotcha. Um, the, the fire control comes out in a module. Um, so the only thing you actually need a tool to take off this gun is the barrel. There's a pin you drive out, which releases a lock, and then you can basically... that That's the only tool you need to disassemble anything on the gun. Everything else is push pins, um... Or, or can come apart with the hand disassembly. So this is this is neat. yeah, it, it's it's insanely well designed, um, and not and not of the quality I would have thought that would have come out of Croatia. I just you know I hear Croatia and I think you know boiled potatoes and weird looking meat, um, <laughs> not not well designed. Um, every crow, every croat listening to the program right now <laughs> just tuned out. Thank you. Well, I mean, um, Dale's people are much better suited to making potatoes. That's <laughs> the Irish. <laughs> oh, my God. So have you shot this one? No. Uh, so I got it uh, a few weeks ago and uh, finally got it taken apart and switched over to left-handed. So I plan on taking this out and shooting it when it's a little warmer. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm waiting to get my suppressor adapter. Um, so I'm going to pull off this flash hider uh, and put my suppressor adapter on there so I can run it suppressed. Wow, I, I I like them both, but I'm I'm thinking if I can sneak that P90 out without you catching me, uh, that's not it that's home. not going to happen. I was afraid <laughs> of that. All right, uh, up against the clock. Quick break. Uh, we still have uh, this uh, audio that uh, John Lott uh, was testifying in Congress about gun laws. Uh, but when we come back, bank CEO peddles mass suspicion on gun rights. Dale Roberts wanted to bring this story up, so we're gonna. Next.
Thank you, Gary on Guns. Good morning. Dale Roberts is with us, MoGunLaw.com, and then Garson from Graphs just told, uh, showed us a couple of uh, terrific uh, firearms, a couple of bullpups. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we've got Chuck Basie. Uh, he is a, a state representative and a second, uh, second Amendment supporter. Dale brought this story up. New York Times conference featured a bank CEO pushing the financial industry to track Americans making purchases at retailers and monitoring their suspicious activity. Give me the details here, Dale. Yes, it's just another, what I'd say is a back doorway to restrict and regulate firearms ownership. Um, so merchants, when, they, when you charge something at Graff & Sons, they have a merchant category code. Uh, it, it enables the credit card companies, you know, at the end of the month or the end of the year, you get a credit card statement that says you spent this much money on gasoline, this much money on groceries, this much money on sporting goods. That's because those merchants have a code. And when you charge something there, the credit card company just locks it into that, categorizes it into that code. So, so the, 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 the store is coded, not the, not the actual sale. That, a, that's what Garson was just telling Yeah, there, There's no way to break it down by individual sale. So I go into a grocery store and I buy um, a, Beer a, a and, frying pan. Yeah. Uh, it comes back as groceries to them. Yes. So I go into a gun store and I buy Target's. It's probably going to show up as a firearm. Well, it, you it's know, just it, going to show up as a as a sporting goods or or a firearms retailer purchase. So, right, and so evidently this banker or these this group perhaps wants to create a specific merchant category code for. Well, no, they've already created it. It's already. Is everybody on board with that? Or, or is, uh, for instance, uh, Visa and Mastercard have no problem with it, as far as I can tell. Probably American um, Express too, uh, but Discover Card. I don't think Discover Card is in on this. No, I believe Discover didn't have any time to give them for this at all. But yeah, for the most part, uh, it's well. And the article I read was dated the thirteenth, so that would have been uh, Tuesday, I think. I mean, we and then in this this article, is like six months, right? But I mean, the article from this last week makes it sound as if they want yet another code to drill down with more specificity. Now, you know, you're, I'm Yeah, but like them. I was saying, some of these vendors that are selling guns have either maintained their sporting goods or a non-firearm store classification. So I, I don't know I don't know what they're going to do um, or how they're going to manipulate that to, to actually do what they want it to do. Okay. So, Go ahead. Well, I, I was just wading through trying to figure out how this works because they they speak here, and this was the National uh, Sports Shooting Foundation, the Firearm Industry Trade Association, uh, talking about their concerns that you can now be listed as being engaged in a suspicious transaction by these various codes or by the code. Um and Garson was saying, you know, there's a place that we know that uh, has a merchant code, not as a firearms dealer. They sell more accessories than firearms, so they're listed as what? Sporting goods? Or, yeah. So if you bought a firearm from them, it would be you bought something from a sporting goods store. And that's how it's, it's which means I guess it wouldn't be suspicious. 
Um, it's just, you know, more of the same. My, my only hope, uh, you know, the conservatives, the folks who are more supportive of the Second Amendment or most supportive of the Second Amendment will at least control the House of Representatives this year, uh, this coming session, and maybe they can, uh, you know, get control over some of these issues. I believe Chuck Basie is going to be working for one of them. So he'll have the ear of our congressman. Yeah, so there, yeah, the merchant code um, states that this business is going to stay a sporting goods retailer. So technically they'd be no different than, um, you know, MC Sports or, or Foot that Locker. That particular place that sells more other stuff than firearms. Yeah, but, I mean, when you hear sporting goods retailer... I'm thinking, you know, balls and bats and sure and clubs. Right. Yeah. I I wonder if this is a kind of a backdoor way for the federal government to find out uh, exactly what you purchased uh, on the Nix uh, form. They don't get to know Garson uh, exactly which pistol or rifle you bought. Is that right? Yeah, they don't know how many or or what specific model caliber or anything. At the time of purchase, but all, if, all the all the forty four seventy three is checking is to see is whether you're a prohibited person or not. But if I have to, you know, if I buy a firearm on a, a credit card, it's probably going to list exactly what I bought. Yes. <clears throat> and now I'm thinking that. Well, I mean, not on the credit card, but at the merchant, that should list exactly what you bought. But I don't think that that information is even capable of being transferred back to the credit card processor. So all they get is a dollar amount, a dollar amount at Graf and Sons, right? So if you if you bought like five dollars worth of ammo and a ten thousand dollar gun, it would show up the same as if you bought a five dollar gun and ten thousand dollars worth of ammo. All right, so they would have uh, no breakdown; they just get the total. Yeah, right. No, yeah, you you were you were here at this place that is a known is 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 classified by their merchant code as a gun dealer. And you bought X number of dollars worth of junk. But yeah. now, what you said about the 4473, it does only ask, is this a long gun or a handgun? Because they need to know, are you 18, are you over 18, or are you over 21? But unless it's changed, when I was working at Target Masters, if you bought multiple guns, then they have to do a special report. And I think that form includes what you bought. Yeah, so... The, the three classifications are um, handgun, long gun, or receiver. And then if, if multiple handguns are transferred, there's a, a, an additional form you have to fill out and send to the local sheriff's department. And, and that's how, you remember that story, I think we, uh, we covered it about a month or two ago, about uh, local law enforcement and uh, BATF showing, showing up at this guy's house asking to see the firearms he bought. Uh, and I wonder if that's because he bought more than one. Anyway, uh, coming up, Dr. John Lott. Boy, does he explode the myths. That's coming up on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us on Gary on Guns. Chuck Basie is in. Uh, he is, of course, state representative and a Second Amendment supporter. Uh, we brought uh, Dale Roberts in, MoGunLaw.com, and then Garson is in from Graffs, brought us in two terrific bullpups. Uh, we'll, we'll give them a once-over before we uh, end the program. But in the meantime, Dr. John Lott, he's been on this program 
several times uh, testifying in Congress, just exploding one gun control lie after another. This is just a great piece. Let's just sit back and uh, he, he's like a fully automatic weapon. Let's <laughs> just pull the trigger and let him go. I desperately want to do something to stop the horrific violence that Representative Lee and the other witnesses have so movingly described this morning. But I want to do something that actually matters. Unfortunately, many of the proposals won't help or will actually make matters worse. Take background checks on the private transfers of guns, known as universal background checks. There isn't one mass public shooting this century that would have been stopped if such a law had been in effect and had been perfectly enforced. Worse, no one is talking about the massive errors in the background check system and how it overwhelmingly discriminates against black and Hispanic males being able to go and defend themselves and their families. We hear calls for bans of so-called assault weapons, but the vast majority of firearms in the United States, including these assault weapons, are semi-automatic guns that function, are functionally identical. Even the influential Associated Press style book acknowledged earlier this year that terms such as assault weapon and weapons of war convey, quote, little meaning and, quote, are highly politicized, end quote. The AP makes it clear that these firearms are not used by any militaries around the world. Despite the references a couple times, they are not automatic weapons. President Biden has frequently said you only need an AR-15 to hunt deer if the deer have Kevlar vests. But an AR-15 functions exactly the same as any small caliber hunting rifle, firing the same bullets with the same rapidity and doing the exact same damage. Banning guns based on them looking like military weapons, you know, the key phrase is often military style, makes no sense. Of course, banning all semi-automatic guns, as President Biden has repeatedly called for over the years, would mainly affect law-abiding citizens, while I guess at least is logically uh, more consistent than banning military-style weapons, it would make it much more difficult for Americans to use guns defensively. If you want to ban all semi-automatic rifles, what's the alternative? A manually loaded gun, where you have to physically put another round in the chamber after you fire each shot? If you, fire, if you face multiple attackers, or you fire and miss, or you fire and wound but don't incapacitate the attacker, someone may not have the luxury of time of manually reloading the gun to be able to go and protect themselves. Claims about these laws having overwhelming support are based on surveys that s simplify and mischaracterize what these laws do. Surveys show that when Americans are accurately informed about what these laws do, change with strong support changes to strong opposition. There's four facts I'd like to try to get across. One, over 92% of violent crime in America has nothing to do with firearms. That percent has remained fairly constant for the last couple decades. The vast majority of violent crime has nothing to do with, with firearms. The second point is while the U.S. media doesn't give much attention, if any, to coverage of mass public shootings in other countries. Mass public shootings per capita are relatively low in the United States compared to a number of countries in Europe as well as the rest of the world. Over the 20 years from 1998 to 2017, the United States had 1.1% of the world's share of mass public shooters and 1.8% of the mass public shooting murders. Both 
are significantly less than the U.S.'s 4.6% share of the world population. People don't take into account that the United States has over 330 million people. You can't compare it to a country with 5 million or even Germany with 80 million without adjusting for the sh different sizes in population. Many of these countries with much higher uh, mass public shooting rates and deaths have very strict gun control laws. The third fact is 94% of the mass public shootings occur in places where civilians are banned from having firearms. We've heard many times today about the Buffalo mass murder earlier this year. If you read his manifesto, he spends a great deal of time, like many of these killers do, explaining why he picked the target that he did. I'll read it to you. His manifesto says, quote, attacking in a weapon-restricted area may decrease the chance of civilian backlash. Schools, courts, or other areas where concealed carry are outlawed or prohibited may be good areas of attack. Areas with strict gun control laws are also great places for attack. I can give you quotes from one manifesto after another, from one diary after another, and they're on our website at crimeresearch.org, where these killers, time after time, tell you, but the media ignores the fact, never reports, this part of what's in their manifestos. <clears throat> the fourth fact I'd like to get across is the most vulnerable people in our society benefit the most from owning guns. If my research convinces me of anything, that there are two groups of people who benefit the most from being able to go and protect themselves. One are the people who are most likely victims of violent crime. That's overwhelmingly poor blacks who live in high crime urban areas. Police, anybody who's read my academic research knows that I think police are extremely important. But police understand themselves that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred, and that raises the question of how people should act when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves. And the research shows overwhelmingly that by far the safest course of action for people to take is to have a gun. And that's particularly true for people who are relatively weaker physically, women and the elderly. You're almost always talking about a male criminal doing the attack, and when a man is attacking a woman, there's a much larger, larger strength difference that exists there than when a man's attacking another man. We've heard a lot about different attacks that occurred this year. Dr. Lott, are you, can, can you finish? Will you be yes. finishing soon? Okay. Thank you. Sorry. But if you go through the list, the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, was a gun-free zone. The Tulsa, Oklahoma hospital shooting was a gun-free zone. The Walmart mass murder in Virginia was a gun-free zone. I could go through others. But our research shows that overwhelmingly, when you see these attacks, they occur in schools where teachers and staff are not allowed to carry. It's not by accident. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, it, it just laid it out there. Uh, Dale, what did you think? I think it's moving testimony, and I was anxious to ask Chuck... If that testimony were offered in the Missouri legislature, would it affect, would it have an impact on the legislators? Um, it, it may. I don't think it'll change the minds of a lot of, most of the Democrats. They just don't bend. You know, they're all, um, they're all anti-gun. They, they all are. 
So, so facts don't matter. I, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I was just going to say, know. it's the old, you know, my mind is made up. Don't confuse me with facts. Right. It's just, uh, you know, you just look at the bills they filed this year and in years past. that They're, they're all, they go after law-abiding uh, gun owners. And, yeah. Uh, this just won't change. Uh, you know, it, 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 I've talked about this in the weekday program. A lot of these progressives don't ever want to hear the other side. Uh, and they don't want anybody else to, it's like sticking their fingers in their ears and going, nah, 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 so they don't have to hear it. They they just don't want to know. Uh, well, I think they do know, but they don't care. You you, you think you, they do know and don't care. Well, that would they, mean they have an ulterior motive. It isn't to protect society. It, it's to back us into a corner so they can control us and push their push their agenda of a one-world government or, or at least more control for themselves and more power for themselves. I don't. I really don't disagree with uh, with Garson on this. I I do believe that is their goal. Uh, it is to disarm us uh, so that they can continue uh, taking away our liberty and and feel safe doing it. I mean, every country that's done it has gone overboard with it, and you know would have been considered enemies of America at any point in history. Yeah, I think that's exact. I think Garson has, has hit the nail squarely on the thumb. This is what their goal is. It is to keep pushing and taking away our freedom and doing it feeling safe and secure in knowing that we can't fight back, which is what the Second Amendment is really all about. It is about us being able to fight back when they overstep. Um... I, I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. Uh, all right, uh, we're coming up on a break, but when we uh, when we return, not like we're going anywhere, uh, the Everett Police Department is going to hold a gun for gift cards exchange event. I think it was Garson brought this up earlier. We'll get into some of those details on Gary on Guns. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. Uh, then uh, let me just tell you that Dale Roberts, uh, Chuck Basie, and uh, Garson uh, from Graf's on board with us. Uh, very quickly, before I get into this uh, stupid gun buyback thing, if you were going to get somebody, a uh, Second Amendment supporting family member or friend, a gift uh, that uh, dealt with that passion, what would it be, Garson? What would you get? What would you... Um, I was going to say, what would you get me? But uh, you'd get me the same thing you got me last year, which was nothing. Um, uh, but suppose you had a family member or friend that uh, you were going to get a, a gift for. The the semi-auto FN249. Man, I, 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 you know, you and I really got to go out to lunch more often and, and really uh, buddy up. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't mind being a, a real good close friend of yours. <laughs> Holy Toledo. That's what you'd get your close friend. Yeah. Oh, I like the way you think. Uh, Dale, what would you get? I I would not buy someone a firearm, you know, out of the blue unless I really thought they knew that they'd like it. Just because, I know I would like that gift. That, but yeah, that, that <laughs> and, I and I mean, I, I I I don't know anyone or associate with anyone that would not like that gift. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, it's the old adage about you know, don't buy your spouse a firearm. You know, don't buy your wife a firearm. Give her a gift certificate. Let her pick out the firearm that works for her. Yeah, you're missing the that, point. If you buy her one but, and she doesn't like it, 
You well, can buy yeah, her another it, one and keep the one you got her originally. That, that's, so. See, now that's exactly why I'm getting my wife a 50 caliber M2 Browning. <laughs> um. uh, yeah, if you, can, if you can afford to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd get somebody a gift certificate, I would imagine. Um, that's uh, not a bad which, idea. And, and, I, and I don't usually like giving gift certificates. They're not as sort of personal. But, you know... As opposed to a firearm that may not be the right firearm for somebody, I think that's what I'd have to do. Uh, a friend of mine just bought his wife an MP40. I mean, he bought it for himself originally, but she ended up liking it, so she's now saying that's hers. <laughs> he didn't know he was buying it for her. <laughs> uh, oh, Chuck. I think Dale kind of made the best point. Uh, either, you know, if I was going to get something from a wife, I'd probably take her to the store and let her pick something out. Uh, or a gift certificate so she could go and get something that would fit her hand and, and all that. So I think that would be the best way to go. Now, if I took her to, say, Graf, for example, to, to uh, buy a firearm, I'd probably buy two so I'd have something to shoot back with. <laughs> shoot back? <laughs> that sounds like a gunfight. I don't know. I, I keep waiting for him to tell us that his wife got a gun for his wife and it was the best trade he ever made. <laughs> well, I... Uh... Uh, I was uh, out shooting with Gwen, and uh, we she got a, an opportunity to shoot an AR-15. It was her first first time she'd ever shot one. It had a twenty-two conversion kit, and I've still got a photograph of that day that I that I keep. It, she's got this uh, flowing blonde hair and the AR-15 and a smile that's about a mile wide on her face. And I knew she loved that AR-15 and had a great experience. So I, I was comfortable uh, going out and buying her one of those. Exactly. Uh, because I knew she loved it and she'd already shot it. And uh, the, the only other time that I uh, got her a gift of a gun uh, was when I was in a gun store and she dragged me over and said... This would make a great birthday gift. Uh, I didn't think I had much choice. <laughs> it was pretty much uh, set in stone. Uh, all right, so have we covered everybody? Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right, the Everett Police Department is going to hold a gun for gift cards exchange event in an effort to reduce gun violence by getting unwanted firearms out of the community. Residents of Everett and Snohomish County are going to be able to trade in eligible firearms in exchange for prepaid Visa card. The residents can trade in inoperable firearms for a $25 gift card. That seems pretty cheap, doesn't it? $25? Bucks? I mean, I just go ahead and throw it out. Because by the time you pay for parking, drive to wherever it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what they think that's going to get them. Maybe they're trying to keep people from 3D printing guns and bringing those in. But again, as but I how said, does, well, how does that make the society, if they believe gun control uh, makes society safer, how does an inoperable firearm getting traded in protect anybody from being shot? True. But, uh, well, you know. it, could, it could repair itself and then, and then <laughs> hurt somebody. Oh, uh, Lord. They, they want to get it before it repairs itself and becomes operable again. Uh, rifles and shotguns, $100 gift card. But, so is that non-operable rifles and shotguns? No, no, it just says rifles and shotguns. Because an operable gun would be a rifle or a shotgun, right? 
Yeah. So, am I getting 150 bucks or am I getting 500 bucks? What what what's going on here? Well, well, it says so. The 500 dollars. They, they don't even know what they're buying back. Yeah, I'm gonna go take some chunks of wood and tell them they're operable shotguns or operable firearms. Well, All right. and, and this just brings up, you know, one of the many problems with buybacks. I mean, they're saying we'll give you $500 for an operable gun and assault rifles. So I guess if it's black, then you get $500. It looks scary. Um, then separate entry, 150 for rifles or shotguns. So I guess if it's a rifle, but they don't think it, you know, if it's got wood. Oh, wait, does this mean I get 650 if I bring them in an operable... Assault rifle, yeah, shotgun gun. I don't gun? think it's cumulative. Oh, um, but you know, I don't know. So I guess if I had a, you know, a twenty-two with one of those stocks that you can put on it, you know, take a Ruger ten twenty-two and put a stock on it that makes it look like an AR, then that's five hundred dollars instead of being just one hundred and fifty. Or do you actually I mean, have to whole, assault somebody with the rifle before you take it to them? Yeah, I mean the whole thing is just. You know, what do you think you're accomplishing other than maybe it makes you feel good? Well, you guys have uh, really gone overboard in trying to make the most of, uh, of, the, of this offer. Uh, but in, in reality, what we all know is that it isn't going to save anybody from anything. Uh, because, I mean, these are not people who are going to commit crimes. Uh, it's just silly uh, to even uh, think about doing it, it just it just a waste of money. Yeah, I, I don't think I, the criminals will do this unless they have a firearm that that they think is, you know, has been hot, could be traced to them, and they can trade it in, get the money, and get a firearm that can't be traced to them. Uh, all right, very quickly because we're almost out of time. Garson, the two uh, rifles, bullpups, uh, Springfield Hellion, and uh, FNP ninety. That's. So descriptive for people who just tuned in. <laughs> well, uh, don't forget, overwhelmed don't with forget to leave cigarette shoes and a Twinkie in the ductwork for John McClain on Christmas Eve. All right, we got to run, guys. Merry Christmas to everybody. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.